like how we're using the art of game design book as the laptop stand. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering where this book was. You know? <laughs> I guess I now know. Now you know. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 151 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the destroyer of private data. I'm Sam and I've been drinking some coffee. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 2018. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. It's going to be profanity, lewdness. We're going to be just slinging swears all over the just place. Just all over the damn place. So if there are babies around, you know. Just get them out before I said that. Go back in time and get them out of the room. Mm-hmm. All right. So first thing to talk about, we got a new segment on this show called Sure Thing with Sure Chan. Special sure. guest. Hello, sure. everyone. <laughs> That's sure. me. Sure just sneakily swapped in. And Adam has disappeared. We don't know where the He's hell gone. he went. Uh, so we're going to talk with Sure about the Crashlands comb over patch, which he uh, nearly single handedly put together mm-hmm. uh, for the past since January. While, How, however much time that was, yeah, it's double handedly because then you both hands were tied. That's, That's true. true. Yeah. yeah, he used he did use two hands. Sometimes on a mm-hmm. mouse, sometimes on a keyboard. He's very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Many devices uh, involved. So, yeah. All right, so let's talk about come over patch. How's it, how's the reception been? What what just let's just get in there. Yeah. Let's hear about it. Yeah, so combo over patch. I think you know the major feature, of course, is the combos. And then, yes. you know, now that people can just uh, combine their trinkets and uh, gadgets and then just produce wildly different effects. Uh, so we got Frost Nova in there. Mm-hmm. We got electric shocks in there. We got uh, duplicate bubbles in there. I think people really like that. And, yes. uh, you know, that's something that we feel uh, very proud of to add varieties to the way that combats can kind of like plays out for people. And how was it for you getting in? Because we've you've done a bunch of work in terms of doing builds for us and all this other stuff in the past. But this is the first time actually doing a major update mm-hmm. to a, a live Like game. really digging into the content of the game. Being like, I'm just going to go change some stuff. So have you, you know, how was that process mentally being like, I'm going to go get in the guts of this thing that... A couple hundred thousand people like a lot, and I'm gonna go add some things. It was nerve wracking. <laughs> <to begin with. laughs> yeah. So I think uh, this this process was definitely uh, uh, challenging in the beginning because you know the game was perfectly fine by itself, and you know now I'm adding stuff in there that potentially could break it. Mm-hmm. And also when it comes to uh, game changes, you know, a lot of times it's uh, fine. Uh, there has to be a lot of fine tunings in there. You, for example, if you make something too powerful, then that kind of like disrupts the balance. And then everybody feels like, oh, uh, if, if I don't go with this dominant strategy, then I get I feel cheated out, right, of, yes. uh, out of the other stuff that I like to use. So uh, what made this, uh, so that was the beginning, but then this has been gradually getting smoother and smoother because I got a lot of input from bouncing ideas with the rest of the team. So, you know, I bounce ideas with uh, Seth and Sam uh, when it comes to, you know, designing like new gadgets and new actives Mm -hmm. and stuff. And then Adam, you know, being always the good, kind of like the neutral eyes to Mm -hmm. stay out of this conversation and then come into pitching, we kind of like solidify the ideas in the end. So then we got kind of that uh, fourth eye look at yes. this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're laserized now too. Yes. Yeah. Extra perception. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately that came at the end so we didn't really get the <laughs> Not much better. 2015 vision on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and, and also uh, I want to sure I want to commend you for you know 
for starters, just you put in an incredible amount of work on this patch. Turned out great. Uh, Touch Arcade wrote, and they said, mm-hmm. can we change the review to seven out of five stars? Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they cannot because that's not how stars work. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, the reception has been awesome. And then also, Sure came up with all kinds of stuff that we had totally wanted to do in the past, but we just never quite had the the bandwidth to do it. So even even taking a critical eye to things like there are some gadgets late in the game, like the mm-hmm. Thunder Call, which you can use to summon a thunderstorm. And up until this patch, uh, the thunder call just sort of put a blue circle on the ground and then lightning hit stuff. <laughs> right. It's a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Especially because it's one of the hard, it takes a long time to build the thing. You know, you're like, you're oh, like, I'm going to use it. And then you hit it and then it's, it's like, just a blue beep, circle. Beep, beep. Right. And so sure was like, what if, the sky, what if the world got dark? And then like a cloud, a dark cloud came mm-hmm. up overhead. And it's like swirling. And there's sparks flying in the cloud. And then lightning comes out of that. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, what if that happened? Yeah, we, we probably should have done that a long time. Probably should have done that. Right. So it's been really cool to kind of see Thank this you. sure as your first project, your first big uh, content push project mm-hmm. in, in the studio. So mm-hmm. many more to come. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah. And we'll we'll see. We have some ideas. Right. What's yep. next? But we can't disclose anything yet because who the hell knows? Yeah. But we will have another update patch uh, in the works after... The Switch stuff mm-hmm. is done. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, any final thoughts? Sure. Yeah, I think overall, you know, this has just been a great experience. I think uh, we also feel like, you know, we want to continuously deliver contents to the players and then um, so to enrich their experience. And then, you know, I'm really glad, you know, now that I have been in studio for almost like two years, I was able to kind of like do that piece for the student and for the players. So, you know, thank you guys all for uh, investing time in me to let me do this. And okay, then, you know, for all the players out there, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Cool. Thanks, man. Cool. Very right. nice. Give me the back to Adam. All right. Uh, get out of here. Go work on that switchboard. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Seriously, that is what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So <laughs> there's a reason that you never hear me and Sure at the same time. They're actually the same. Yeah, the same. It's like a Batman situation. I haven't yeah. seen you in the same room before either. Yeah, that's, that's a particularly weird one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, they each keep alternating to go out and get cups of coffee. So, also, and then, Adam, and and then are, Adam comes back wearing glasses, and we're like, I guess this is true now. <laughs> yeah. Adam and I are sitting on opposite sides of the podcast table from usual today, and it is really throwing me off. Yeah, it's very, very alert. Uh, also, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a long time in stereo and have tuned your ear holes, mm. this is going to be just you're not even going to know because one of the, I mean one of the comments because people are like you guys your voices are basically you're basically the same person your voices sound mm-hmm. the same yep. so the only way I could tell who's talking is by which side of the speakers yep. it happens just throwing a wrench yeah well guess there. what shit's about to get although we crazy. could just get up and just change our position right now too you know if it's you want to just like just let's, let's, just, let's, just, it, but let's just do a musical chair so that even I'm in a different spot mm, <laughs> could do that too let's just maybe next time <laughs> alright so what else is in the news Ballyhoo number three it, it is has will will have been out by the time the podcast goes. It live. has ejected into the ether like a like a aurora borealis, aurora borealis, aurora borealis, aurora borealis. Yep. Uh, what, anything to say about it? Just read it, I guess. It's also on the blog now, so you can just go to bscotch.net and click on the blog, and you can just read. Well, it's the, not visible at the moment, though. You can you can get to it if you know how to get there. Oh, but it's currently unlisted because you know we feel like people who you know. Are willing to give us their email address get to get the Ballyhoo. You should get, get that info early. You yeah, know? but we also we do the archive in there now. So if you want to read any of the previous issues of Ballyhoo or mm-hmm. go back and reference them, they are just 
there. Yeah, if you're thinking this ballyhoo is great, but I just wish there were more ballyhoos. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are. There are two whole there are two ones. whole <laughs> two whole ones. Uh, otherwise, Shenana Jam, it's happening still. Mm-hmm. It's still gonna happen. Talk about uh, it for a while. We are nearly at 200 participants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this time leading up to the last Shenana Jam, I think we were at around a hundred ish. Yeah, somewhere between 80 and 100, roughly. Yeah. So, obviously, that means that by the time the jam hits, we're going to be somewhere around 60 to 70,000 people. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because it it does grow exponentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, that's pretty exciting. It just grows however we want it to because we only have two points to fit to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, for our listeners who are maybe first-time listeners or who haven't heard much about the Shenanda Jam, it's a game jam, which is a 48-hour event where... You grab a buddy, grab a friend, or just do it by yourself, mm-hmm. and you uh, put together a game over a weekend, and it's a worldwide event. And so on the we're doing a, actually a three day event mm-hmm. because of worldwide time zone issues. Uh, so so we will announce a theme on the start of the jam, which would be June eight, and then people have basically seventy two hours to build a game that incorporates that theme. Is it seventy two hours? Is it over on Monday? It's Friday through Friday through uh, Monday morning at eight. Yeah, so, uh, you, so everybody gets, okay. everybody gets oh, at yeah. least 48 hours. Yeah, because some people live in the past, some yeah, people yeah. live in the future. It's a very- Some people live in alternate timelines. It's very messy. Very yeah, it's situation. a wild world, so we wanted yeah, to make sure that we, you know, we want to serve our parallel universe yeah, audience. I thought it still ended in the PM on Sunday, but I guess the, no, the do, more you know. We did uh, you know, we did a post-jam survey last year, and it's, it's so many people had had what they defined as like a, either a life-changing sort of time with it or just an extremely impactful time. So- it is a really big event, and we also took all of the uh, feedback from people. We'll be making a few changes to the jam this year, so mm-hmm. you can actually find uh, people to team up with uh, if you go to the itch page. Uh, so just go to shenanajam.com. Shenanajam.com. That'll take you to the the jam signup page, and you can. Uh, we found a new tool called uh, CrowdForge, which they have a jamming tool in there, which lets you essentially say, "Hey, I want to make a team," and then you can say what you want in it, and then other people can essentially hop into that team. So really slicks that process up nicely. Uh, and then on top of that, we'll be, we're changing how many themes we have available. So last year we did like 40. <laughs> I think we had, we had a random roll of 50, I think. Right. I think we had 50. We took our and, 50 best podcast titles. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the top things that people said was, you know, it, it'd be nice to have a, still a good number of them, but uh, maybe, a condensed Maybe number. three or something. Three to five, yeah. such that, you know, more people, because it, it's fun to see what someone else did with the same theme. Yeah. So we'll be doing that. And then a few other sort of little changes here and there to- uh, make the event a little more fun, including a sort of kick out ceremony at the end, uh, where we'll be on Discord just hanging out and that, chatting. That'll be Monday morning, I guess. Is that? Uh, I'd probably actually on Sunday for us. Like whenever we finish sort of the forty-eight hour chunk okay. for ourselves, and we'll hop in there. Gotcha. And everybody's welcome to hop in and uh, just sort of chat and hang out a little bit. It'll, and also, this, it'll been, basically be a sort of web version of the shawarma scene from the event. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you've been afraid of of just committing because you're like, I've never done a jam before. This is going to be hard. I need, to, I need to prepare first, whatever. You should know that more than half of the participants last mm-hmm. year had never done a jam 60%. Before. Yeah. Yeah. And those were the ones for which it made the biggest difference in their lives. And they and they presumably were the ones who made the best games. I mean, we didn't actually connect the <laughs> They dots, did make the best games. And I think actually most of them won Nobel Peace Prizes. So, yeah. Uh, just yeah. shocking. Just Not even for anything they did. Just It was just so, so good to have mm-hmm. them on, on the earth yeah. mm-hmm. that the Nobel group was like, thanks, guys. Yeah. So if <laughs> you want a Nobel Peace Prize, you should go to shenanajam.com. And if it's the case that you think, you know, I don't have the cash to get like an engine. Well, know? guess what? We we have been in touch with Yo-Yo Games, the creators of Game Maker, and last year they were kind enough to sponsor the Shenanah Jam with uh, temporary license keys so that anybody who wanted to could just 
have the full version of Game Maker Studio 2 for the entire duration of the jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have agreed this year to once again sponsor with temporary keys, except this time. So last year they gave us weekend long temporary keys. Now they are giving week long keys, which yeah. means, uh, which means you can get the the trial version of Game Maker Studio Two to run through the tutorials and stuff. When the jam starts, you can get your week long key, and then even when the jam ends, you'll still have several days to keep polishing you up your keep game. Keep on jamming, yep. and if you really like it, you know, then you can uh, shell out the cash and get yourself the full version mm-hmm. whenever. Yeah, so I think the best way to think about this is if not having cash or a development environment that you can easily use was sort of the last drop in your excuse well. Then your excuse well has run dry. It's, yep. The well is dry, folks. So get, go, come, get on in there. <laughs> All right. Anyways, well, shenanajam.com, that's what's happening. Also, as part of celebrating the Crashlands comb over patch, we have done a promotion with our merch store. Mm-hmm. If you put in the promo oh, code. Yeah. Is that still on? Still on. Still on. Nice. If you put in the promo code comb over. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? It's on the store page. Yeah. So go to merch.bscotch.net or shop.bscotch.net and you'll see uh, the banner with the code in it. Get whatever you want. It's 20% off. Shirts, mugs, stickers, sticky mugs, Mm -hmm. stick shirts, shrugs. We we did have a a spike of orders over the last week. We sold some things. Just a a crushing, like four whole things. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we don't don't move a lot of merch. (laughs) Our our daily movement is literally zero. So that means every order is a spike. Every order is a spike. We celebrate. Every single yeah, time. Give us a spike. We yeah, love it. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And the shirts, I think, if you're in the continental US now, well, I guess the, the shirts themselves with the 20% off end up being like $16.50 or something like that. Something around there. So super good shirt. They're Basically free. Get some butterscotch in your body. Promo code come over. All right. Next news item. Let's go. All right. Two more news items. First news item, first of the last of the two of the last of the news items. Mm. Number one, global hack. Yeah. We're gonna do the global hack. What is it? We don't quite what does that know. Mean? What we what we do, all right, so we're doing this in October. What we think we know about Global Hack is it's a game jam. But if instead of making a game, you make something You that, make the world better. You, ma- you somehow make the world better, probably through an app. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit dubious on every angle of, of the thing in terms of its actual real-world value. Yeah, so we're not necessarily looking to change the universe. But we are looking to change ourselves. We're, yes. we're looking to learn some stuff and try to apply ourselves into a problem-solving domain that we are just completely unfamiliar with, uh, possibly using tools that we're unfamiliar with. We don't really know what the what the whole thing is going to be. Um, but yeah, so we might end up, you know, solving world hunger and that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. so it's a, I think it's a St. Louis thing. Yeah, right? I think it started in St. Louis. I think it's... A, I, think I assume it it's global, global now. Since it's called yeah. Global I mean, Hack. You can... Because the, the, the page for it still... Because it's hosted in St. Louis and, and you have to be on site to participate, I believe. Mm-hmm. Go yes. through the the fact, but yeah, but they, they want people from everywhere. So I think they have, they have some travel stipends in there too and all kinds cool. of stuff. So it's in uh, an arena. There's like, there's, there's thousands arena. of people who show up. So. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds like a cool, yeah, it just sounds like a game jam like event um, but but like for a totally different purpose level. Um, so yeah. And there are cash cool prizes, which would, that'd be, that's cool. See yeah, if we can get one of those. See if we can get one of those. Uh, there's also a participation award for Team Spirit. Uh-huh. We're going to definitely get so that. So I hope. I'm not even going to try. I'm going to bring pom-poms. I'm ready. We're getting some awards. Yeah. I'm, whether it's money or spirit. I'm not even going to build anything. I'm just going to show up and just be real excited. Yeah. <laughs> you, can just flex, you can just sit there and flex your pecs the whole yeah, time. Do, mm-hmm. Just do the pec dance. Yeah. He's so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his muscles bounce. Uh, all right. And then the final thing we want to talk about um, in our studio news is... Last week, we talked about the B-Scotch Studio principles. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There are 12, I think, of them. 12 or 13, <laughs> give, or, give or take. <laughs> there are They're extremely important to us. We, there we are, don't even know how many. We in this, we're, we're very... It's on a sheet on the wall. We don't need to know it's how not, many. And importantly, it's not a numbered list. It's just a list. Just a list. The human mind can't comprehend anything past seven. Yeah. So we do have more than seven. It's just a shitload of principles. More than seven, less than 15, somewhere in there. All right. So we're going to cover four more principles this week. And then next week, we'll cover however many are remaining. I believe there are three remaining. Okay. So maybe I don't remember how many we did last week. I don't know. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) we live in a blur. Nothing matters. It's just a foggy kind of void that we travel through. Okay. So first principle, I guess, of this week. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, also, either the fifth or the fourth, maybe the sixth also. It could be. <laughs> I think the it's fourth the sixth. Or sixth. We did a lot last also, week. Also, uh, these principles can be found at bit.ly slash BS underscore principles. Yes. All right. This principle, good is perfect. What, what does it mean? What does it mean, Sam? So this is something we've, we've gone on about quite a bit in terms of uh, creative process and also just technical process and, and production. So the problem that a lot of people run into is uh, they get kind of, they get kind of stuck on stuff, right? Because maybe working on something and, you know, a lot of the reason that you get into making games is maybe because you play a lot of games or even making software is because obviously you use a lot of software. Or even if you start writing books or anything like that. Painting. And so you kind of, like you have an idea of what's good, right? But the problem is most of the things that we see are, you know, they get shipped to us in these sort of, they're, they're already very done when they arrive. You didn't get to see, you know, Diablo 3 being made and how it was probably... When it was a bunch of gray cylinders slapping against each mm-hmm. other. And even, you know, two years in when it was probably just some... Gray cubes slapping gray cubes. against each other. <laughs> <laughs> and there's tons of bugs and stuff. It was and like so, a nine-year development project, yeah. I think. And this also has to do with, you know, how we look at even even people. So people who you see who are, uh, you know, famous or people who are role models or whatever else, you only ever see sort of the front of the of the whole thing. You don't or see the tip of the iceberg, if you yes. will. Um, the front of the faceberg. Front of the face, that's correct. Which is the nose. Mm-hmm. And so you don't necessarily understand the depth to which, uh, you know, a person has maybe gone through some shit, uh, messed up a bunch, what sort of starts and stops they've had as far as how to get to where they were. Yeah. And All so, you see is them being real good at stuff. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of it for us is sort of in order to ma- maintain momentum while you're working on a project uh, is to declare this idea that good is enough. So instead of trying to hit a piece of perfection right off the bat. Uh, you just hit something that's good enough. You got to know what you you got to know what the point of a thing is. Mm-hmm. And so if you say, okay, you know, here's these check boxes, uh, you know, does this art piece I made make it clear to a player what this thing does? Does it look pointy because it stabs things? Great. It, does it actually look like a hideous pile of triangles? Yes. Right now. I'll come back to it later when I know how to do this. <laughs> because we have um, one more check box, which is not look like a hideous pile of triangles. Yes. So we missed that. One. Missed that one. But, <laughs> uh, but the idea is just to uh, ease up on yourself a bit. Because I think a lot of people, especially if you're starting, uh, you know, a new creative endeavor in particular, they tend to be very fraught with, you know, some self-sabotage and stuff where you, you might work on it for a few days and then you have one day that's just kind of hard and you're struggling against something and you're like, oh, nothing I made today is good. Um, I mean, it's probably not true, you know? And even if it is true, who cares? cares? Do another thing tomorrow. Do yeah. a good thing tomorrow. Good's enough. Yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. Mm-hmm. And, and any more than good is just you a waste of time. time. Yep. Because yeah. you could have done something else that was also good with the time you wasted trying to go from good to perfect. That's very true. And perfect is a thing you can't hit. Well, you I, can only I think, get to better. I Most think people it, don't care about perfect. This is the thing. No, nobody does. So like, well, there's no such thing. But also, perfection is very time intense. And really, the only way you get really good at something is by doing it a lot. So the yeah. more time you spend trying to make one perfect thing, the fewer actual things you create. And the fewer things you create, mm-hmm. 
the worse you are at everything, mm-hmm. right? The less likely you'll just accidentally make a perfect thing on the first go. Yeah. Which is rad. Which is always accidental. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, next one. Can we not? This is one of our favorites. It's on a mug, which mm-hmm. you can get over at the shop.bscotch.net. For 20% net. off right now, too. For 20% <laughs> off using promo code come over. <laughs> can we not is a phrase that that is a reminder to think about the things that you're doing and ask, do I really need to be doing, mm-hmm. well, any of these? Yeah. And, and then the follow-up is, what would happen if I didn't, mm-hmm. if I just didn't do those things? Is there a way that I could just not? Can I just not? Uh, and the reason this is such an important one is, is people look at, I mean, we, we get a lot of cu- questions about the way we do game jams because we make some pretty elaborate big stuff in game jams. And the reason is because there's a lot of stuff that we just aren't doing mm-hmm. during game jams, which gives us tons of time to do what matters. You know who never does a more than four frame walk cycle? We, us. us. The, yeah. the, these guys. We, these al- guys. we also, <laughs> yeah, we also basically stop design after about 20 to 30 minutes mm-hmm. um, for the game jam. And then we just start building things. We also never build a, a main menu during a game jam because we already have one. Mm-hmm. It's already just laying around, ready to go. So yeah, there. so so a lot of a lot of sort of uh, gains in speed and productivity and stuff is about finding ways to just not ever having to do a whole range of different things. Mm-hmm. Then you can put your time into the things that really matter, get more iterations in, become better. You know, well, I think a, a big reason why this question is so powerful is actually because there's a lot of inertia at work in how you do things and how you live your life. And so most of the time, the question is not asking like, "Do I actually need to do this thing?" The question is simply asking, it's already downstream when you start, which is asking, how do I do this thing? And so by having a very strict question of, can we just not, uh, it actually backs you up to that top level where you ask the question, is whatever I'm doing right now, what I need to actually be doing? As well, opposed this, this to, how do I do to, this thing? This comes to another principle, which we can talk about. Let's do it. We're, we're going to skip one and we'll come back, okay. uh, which is ask the right question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you are asking the question, how do I do X? You should also probably be asking just should I do X? Mm-hmm. And if I have to, what's what's what what can I get what away? Can with? I get away with? <laughs> uh, how do I just make it's just good enough, right? Um, so we use that. We always use the terminology here called being stuck in the weeds. Where if you are working on a problem and you are getting really caught up in the details and the specifics about lots and lots of things, um, there's a good chance that you may have ended up. You're sort of you're sort of. Uh, head down, pulling weeds, mm-hmm. and and you may have just sort of veered off in a completely random direction, and mm-hmm. now you're off in the forest pulling weeds instead of in the garden where you were supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know? So uh, every now and then you got to kind of take a bird's eye view of things. You got to stand up, you know, stretch your back, go, because mm-hmm. you've been pulling weeds all day, and then, you know, maybe go up the hill a ways and kind of survey the landscape and say, okay, what do I need to be doing here? Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing? Am I, have I been pulling weeds in the right place? Yeah. Uh, et cetera. So it's always metaphor. Always ask the right question. Pull the right weeds. Pull the you right know? weeds. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last one. Take the time to go fast. Yeah. So I did this on Tuesday. So a big part you of this. You took the time to go fast I on did. Tuesday? So, nice. Uh, so a big part of this is uh, is going back to one of the one of the earlier principles, which is the idea of being humble. So recognize that you probably don't know nearly anything about the tools that you've been using for a long time. I believe the, the term is fuck all. Fuck all, yes. You basically <laughs> don't know fuck all about yeah. the tools you've been using. Uh, even even whatever you're an expert at, whether it's game design, whether it's uh, typing, whether it's reading books, whether it's you know talking to people and having social interactions, 
you mainly are, again, operating by inertia because it's just how we work. You're operating on a habit. You're operating out of what you already know about a thing. And that sort of tends to provide just a sort of blocker against things that you could learn, right? Because most of the time, for most of us, and it, it is a good rule, when you hit a point that's good enough, then you stop. Yep. Because who cares? You don't need to learn how to walk more efficiently once you can kind of get around without being tired. So uh, on Tuesday this past week, I said, you know what? It's been a while since I examined my Inkscape practice and just said, what do I not know? So if I were just reapproaching this right now as a, as a new student, um, you know, reading all the tutorials, or whatever else, how could I dive into this and see if there's anything there? And so I spent, I think it was like three or four hours, just I Googled and then I just read tutorials and stuff and looked at videos that people were posting about stuff they were doing and, and pieces of the tools. And it was hilarious because I found, I think like six different new things that I, that just would have been very useful to know. Right. On a tool that you've been using for six years. Right. And the, my favorite one is this checkbox that is right next to some of the buttons that I hit literally probably 20 times every 10 minutes. So the aligning <laughs> tools. So I'm always over there like aligning stuff, right? There's this checkbox, which I was reading the tutorial and it says, okay, if you, you, know, if you click this box, here's what happens. And I said, oh, that'd be useful. And I said, maybe that's not my version because I've never seen that. It's, it's right there. It's right there. <laughs> it's right there. It's been right next to your mouse for six years. For six years. I've never <laughs> seen it. So, uh, so yeah, it's just, it's, there's, there's a thing called attention blindness. It's real. Yeah. But so the idea here you is can't to, see what you're not looking at is to take the time every so often to back up and ask, ask questions about, you know, your process, about how you're doing things. And then recognize that this is a big part of the work is actually uh, preparing yourself to go very quickly in the future, which oftentimes takes some time. You got to invest the time now to get all that back later. Mm -hmm. If you never take the time to go fast, you just you're going to take slow. a lot more time going real slow. Yeah, because, I mean, learning is an exponential gain, mm -hmm. you know, because you might spend some hours or days even, or even weeks if you're learning a new thing, uh, learning something that's going to make your life a little bit better or make something a little bit more efficient or just change your perspective on stuff. Mm -hmm. But now you just get to have that until you die. You just got to get it. You know, you yeah. just got it. So those are the four principles for this week. Next week, we'll have the final we'll cover three or four or five. Who however knows? many are left. Yeah. All right. Otherwise, <laughs> industry news. A couple interesting things. GDPR, it's coming. GDPR. This is, this is the general data. The general data protection regulation. From, oh, it's uh, a regulation. It's a regulation. I was always wondering what that R was. Yeah. Uh, this is in Europe, this but is, it affects us all. This is by the EU. So the EU did a, a very interesting thing, which is, so they, they've got way stricter privacy laws and rules than we do in the United States because the United States, it's all about just selling whoever's data you can get your hands on, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and having the government also just look at as much of it as possible. Some so, would call where we live the Wild West. Yeah, it is the Wild West of data privacy. Yeah. Uh, and the EU has has never liked this. They, they So they've always had much, much stricter requirements. Uh, but the thing that's always pissed them off is that anytime data leaves the EU, so from an EU, uh, you know, citizen, EU member, and then goes to the U.S. Then we just do whatever we want. We just do whatever we want right now. So, so like, you know, we have databases full of people's, you know, like religion and race and mm -hmm. age and like all these all these things that we just we just have, and there are no rules about it, mm -hmm. which is madness, right? By we you mean tech companies? By we US, I mean not butterscotch. Correct. We we definitely do not have any. Of yeah. That. So I mean, hypothetically, a company with with data on millions of people uh -huh. could yep. just, in theory. This wouldn't really happen, but like there's a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. They could sell that data yep. to some company and then sort of like manipulate the outcome of an election or something. That, mm -hmm. that, yeah, that could happen. Which would ne it never would, but no, I yeah, mean, this, is, pretty far the, this is the concern, you know, <laughs> that something like this could happen. Yeah, and so, so the so the GDPR is so it takes it goes into effect on on May 25, which is this Friday. And basically, what it does is the EU has made this broad sweeping thing where they say, okay, 
Now, anybody who wants to do business with an EU uh, citizen, I'm not sure if citizen is the right word, but they call them Person. they call them a, a data subject. An EU a data subject. An EU data subject. Uh, anyone who wants to do business <laughs> with them, whether they are in the, the, whether that business is in the EU or not, is now subject to the same strict privacy requirements that EU companies are. Mm-hmm. And so basically this is the EU saying, hey, Sure, you might be based in the United States, um, but you if gotta you play by our you got to play by our rules, or else, and there's this list of fines, all these penalties that they can do. There's still a huge, completely unanswered question of how the EU could actually fine a, a U.S. or other company because they don't have any jurisdiction mm-hmm. over because like, the law actually can't apply to us, really. You know, so mm-hmm. it's completely unclear how. But but the the belief is that this is a big target for ad companies and the really big players like Facebook and Google. And most of the really big companies have holdings in the EU. So they do operate over there. So they do actually. operate over there. And so they actually do have to play a ball. And, and actually, like so Google and Microsoft, uh, most of the companies that we do business with, uh, there's, there's a public list you can see of, of, of people that have kind of companies that have opted into all of this. Mm-hmm. And so all those big players are in there. Um, and, and I assume it's because they, they just have to be right. if they want to do business. Um, but there's still this, this question of what does that mean for us, right? Because we don't have any holdings. We can't actually... Mm-hmm. get in trouble. But I think the, the important thing here is that the GDPR has a lot of really good and important uh, guidelines for how we should be handling user data. And I think the way to think about it is you should handle other people's data the same way you would want them to handle yours. It's the golden rule it's of really, data. Yeah, it's the golden rule of data. Which is to say, just sell it. Just sell it for as much money as you can. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Give it to the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was America. This is America, right? <laughs> Do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> it's a free so country. What we've uh, what we've been seeing now is is you you will have been getting a lot of emails from all the, the companies that you do business with or have accounts mm-hmm. with or whatever. All those privacy policy uh, privacy updates. policy updates. So these these are all happening because of the upcoming GDPR. Uh, and so there so we had to go back through all of our stuff. We have a lawyer who's like going through and making sure we're compliant. So so we're going to do all the stuff anyway, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure we don't have to, but we're we're going to do it because and the way that and the kinds of data that we collect and the way we handle it is already fine. It's already fine. Yeah, we, we don't have any personal information about anybody. We just because we've, we've actually always taken the stance that we want to know as little as possible about people. Because we don't want to be responsible. Correct. Because yeah. <laughs> the thing is, we've been know, doing this for years. There's yeah. there's no hack proof system. You know that I I don't, mm-hmm. I don't believe if somebody really wanted to get into our stuff, um, as with anybody else's stuff, they could get in there. And so mm-hmm. I just I just don't want to I don't want people's data because I don't want to be responsible yeah. for that. So all we have is just we have people's email address and then some info about the games. Yeah. Like their cloud saves mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So we actually we don't get hit we don't get hit very hard by GDPR. But GDPR actually covers a lot of stuff that's kind of surprising because it it actually includes things like IP addresses as personally identifying information. Mm-hmm. And so even because there, you know, there's a common practice of logging IP addresses to understand how people are using your website and stuff. Um and and just, it's not to say you can't do that anymore. It's just that now you have to actually be much more careful about how you're storing and managing that data, what you're using it for and why and all this kind of stuff. And you stuff. might need consent. And you might need... So you can say, hey, I want to know your IP address so I can know who you are. Uh, yes or it depends, no. Actually, it depends on why you're using it. For for If you're trying to actually identify a person, you'll have to get consent. Yeah, right. If you're just using it to say, like, what geographic region are my users yeah. coming from, then you won't. Um, yeah, because it's also the case that uh, a lot of websites can create a digital fingerprint of a person yeah. by collecting all kinds of stuff. So well, this you, is exactly the kind of thing that, that this is trying to sort of crack down against. Right, because if, if you have a specific IP address, web browser, operating system... Uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole bunch of things, or even like what extensions you might have active in Chrome or something yep. like that. There's a bunch of different pieces of information about you that are easily obtainable by any website that you go to. And so then they can use those to figure out, 
they'll just sort of create a digital fingerprint. They may not know your name, but they'll be like, this is person number, you know, 39. Yep. And so then when, when that same set of pieces of information appear on another website, they can track your info. So this yep. is how advertisers know who you this are. This is why after I looked around. at all over print sweatshirts of unicorns and wolves, now I just see that. All over now the you place. can't escape everywhere. Unicorns I go. And <laughs> They're like, you want this all over print of this dupe? Yeah, that's all over. I was very, I was having trouble parsing that sentence. It's where like you know, normal sweatshirts and normal tees, you only print on like a very small area of the shirt, which is just not enough. Unicorns oh. and dolphins, all over, all over whole... is literally the whole thing is oh. printed. They have some really gross ones like pizza. So you just literally you just, just look like a piece of pizza. pizza. That's uh, that's a that's not a great. It's look. hideous, <laughs> but I was I was looking into it because it just looks so fun. And then now I just and now I'm you just seeing escape. these things all over. Well, this is just like the it's like the scene in Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson discovers that this is happening and then hurls his computer into the trash can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, that's exactly. How right. do they know who I am? Yeah, so they it's know been, everything. It's been really interesting to see kind of the the early fallout of this because it's coming up all of a sudden. A couple um, games are shut down. We've had a couple game, uh, yeah, a couple multiplayer games shut down, and and they kind of used GDPR as an excuse, though the reality was those games weren't making any money. Right. And so anything that they would have to do uh, to change their tech to become compliant, even if it wasn't costly, um, this puts them over the edge. Puts them over the edge because they already were losing money. So, so we saw a few games shut down. Um, I don't, it, it's going to be really interesting, but I do think on the whole, this is this is actually a good thing. It was it was good for us to just go through and review what we have and why. And we, and we did a whole bunch of data purging. We set up new policies for how long we store things, and and so. Uh, well, I think one of the interesting side effects of this is going to be that ads will be less effective. Yeah. Yes. Because the less you can track about a person, the harder it is well, to target. Well, but, but this assumes because a lot of this stuff um, comes down to sort of consent is a big one, and then uh, being able to opt out. Um, but exactly how those things are delivered depends enormously on what the thing is. Uh, so I think the reality of the situation is that because most people don't give a shit, right? Uh, and are and not even that are completely unaware. I would say at least. 99% of people won't even know that the GDPR happened. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, almost everybody. And that will remain true till the end of time. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I've actually brought it up to a few people while I was kind of working on it. I was talking to someone else about it. Was, yeah. And, and he works in tech. And he's like, what? Yeah. What is <laughs> well, and I even asked, I was, like, I was like, yeah, haven't you noticed you've been getting a bunch of, of privacy policy updates yeah. in your inbox? And they were like, I no. Guess. And they thought about it for like, oh, actually, yeah, I guess it did. Yeah, I've gotten like 300 of them. Yeah. yeah no, it's uh, <laughs> so, Did you think those are the weird? <laughs> no. Yeah. So I think the reality is just like, just like any kind of, uh, you know, just like most kinds of regulatory mechanisms, there are people who are impacted by this hugely, which are the businesses who actually can feel the the brunt of, of not complying. Um, but I think, and I think the overall impact is going to be still good. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to reduce some kinds of gross privacy invasions that are happening. Um, but it's a good thing. It's just going to be a rough a transition. It's a good thing. It's going to be a little bit of a transition, but I think mostly it's actually not going to matter. Yep. Because for the most part, this is all like, you can only get in trouble once somebody looks at you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think most companies are still going to fly under the radar. I think most companies still probably don't even know this thing is happening. Um, yep. Especially the ones who are behaving the worst. Those are the very ones who aren't going to comply anyway. Well, yeah, Unless they're the, really big companies, they're not going to be targets by regulators. And anymore. honestly, even the big companies could just decide to absorb the cost yeah. because the the fine is $10 million or 4% of your revenue, whichever is greater. Yeah. So that means that means a small company like ours would just get fined for $10 million regardless of how much income we make, which yeah. means we would just get utterly crushed by this. Yep. Whereas uh, if we had to pay 4% of our revenue... Even like we would be able to absorb that, 
just yeah. be like, oh, that's just the cost. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's if, just how much you pay to be able to take everyone's data. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, if, if all, if a hundred percent of your revenue is dependent on that exact data, then you would just take the 4% hit. Take that yeah. Kit. Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I think, uh, they were talking about jail time too, which is the exciting part. They are. But, uh, but I, again, I don't know how much of this is enforceable. Again, are you going to get know. extradited yeah, to Belgium gonna, and put in a Belgian jail? Know. And apparently Belgian jails are Well, no, that was, that was nice. the loot boxes. That was the, okay, that was the Belgian thing. thing. I don't know about jail time for GDPR stuff. Mm. Yeah, I don't think so. It remains to be seen. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I don't think so, actually. So, And, I, was, and, I, and I, don't think, I don't think Belgian jails are necessarily nice. We actually made a joke about that the last time, which you might be remembering as having heard that they're nice. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I just... Yeah, maybe. Well, there there probably are nicer <laughs> than you might be what thinking of. You might be thinking of like, is it the Netherlands or something where they have the? I just generally think of all European countries as having much better social. Oh, I mean, I'm do. sure that's true. Which means their jails are probably nicer than ours. That, yeah, nicer. Yeah, as as no, far as I understand, what it's like in Europe is you wake up in the morning, you drink some delicious tea or coffee, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You have some delicious pastries, then you float. To work on a cloud, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. then everybody waves and says hello. Um, yes, it is a nice place. And then you're like, "Ooh, I have a sniffle," and you go to the doctor and you get to, you know, get treated for that. Yep. And then you, you know, all just those costs your time. You yeah. Know? Whoops, whoopsie! I committed a crime, and you go hang out in jail for a while. But it's very nice, and they give you, <laughs> they give you grapes and stuff, and then you know, you can go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that's exactly what it's I, like. I have, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of research, so I I know a lot about about yeah. Europe. Uh, last yep. thing of the week, we have to talk about what? this. Friggin' RimWorld. 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 The game. It's a game. What game? It's on Steam. Mm-hmm. It's in early access, and it has been for... All of time. Three years? Four years? Yeah, I think since time immemorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is basically Rust plus The Sims. Better, I think Without it, multiplayer. Without what do you think about for people who don't play a lot of games is, is it's, it's what would happen if you had a spaceship crash. Uh-huh. It's basically Crashlands. Yeah, it's basically yeah. Crashlands. <laughs> and just a few people survive. Uh, and then essentially if you were controlling them almost With no like an, technology or mm-hmm. anything. Almost like an ant colony. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like managing an yeah, ant colony. It's a, it's a colony management simulator. Because mm-hmm. you can't tell anybody what to do. You just tell them what their priorities are. Yeah, or you can tell them what to do, but it's very cumbersome and awkward yes. and not great. So you, instead you just rely on you, you rely on being sort of like the planner of the colony. So you kind of lay down blueprints and you're like, all right, uh, whenever you get around to it, maybe build a, <laughs> like build a, a room here and put a bed in there. Or you know? put out this fire before this battery explodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then they go and they'll, you know, they'll look at what your plan is and be like, okay, well, I got to get some wood for that. So then they'll go chop some wood down, you know, mm-hmm. and then they'll bring that. And you, and you kind of allocate different zones. So if you say, yep, this is where we store the beer and this is where we store the wood and this is where we store the clothes, you know. Um, and so it just becomes this really interesting exercise in in you're trying to plan a good environment for these people to operate in where things are a good distance away from other things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to fight off invasions. Yeah, lots of, I think it, there's a, it's almost like a catastrophe simulator. In a lot of yeah, ways. you're so, just trying to build up a nice town, basically. Yeah, so you can, so you hop in there and you, you crash land and you got your three, uh, three, four or five people, however many, and kind of you figure out who's who so first you kind of look at all the character traits and everyone's got different stuff going on so maybe you know maybe adam's like super smart but also like has i don't know wonder what some of the joke ones they have in there well i mean i i had a a character that had the combination traits of staggeringly ugly (laughs) plus 
uh, pyromaniac. Oh, God. And so the problem was, as my colony grew. Yeah, I avoided pyromaniacs. Yeah, as, mm-hmm. so pyromaniacs refuse to put fires out. And also, if they reach a point of severe depression, then they will go set things on fire. Mm-hmm. Or actually, no, that's the arsonist trait. So this yeah. person had both pyromaniac and arsonist traits. <laughs> it's just a bad <laughs> And role. they were horribly ugly. And so if, if they're really ugly, then they just have a really hard time getting dates, right? And so once you're- also, co- it like reduces the mood of people they interact with. It too. reduces the mood of people they interact with. They're like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the so what ended up happening is as your colony grows, people's personalities start mixing in sort of usually bad ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reached a point where my colony had 11 people and they were wow. getting in fights all the time. People, all of a sudden, they'd be like hanging out playing pool and all of a sudden they'd just be like punching the shit out of each other. <laughs> and then they both have to go to the hospital. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then the the ugly arsonist kept trying to ask different colonists out on dates and would just get rebuffed every time. And so then the person who rebuffed them, their mood goes down because they're like, I didn't want to have to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the pyromaniac would get rebuffed, get sad, and then go set everything <laughs> on fire. And so it, I, I eventually had to expel that person from the colony mm. because they just kept getting sad and burning everything down. Yep. Some people just don't so, play nice. But yeah, so it's, it's really interesting because it's, uh, it's an extremely deep it's yeah. it's super deep because you end up having all these emergent things happen, like just what Seth was talking yeah. about. And so it's very good at doing what we refer to in design as creating player stories. So it's stuff that's none of it is planned by the person who made this. Uh, it's just these emergent stories that start popping out of the, the mechanics interacting with sort of the decisions that you've made. And so uh, it, in my case, like I had a bunch of really hilarious scenarios. One was uh, one of my people walked by this rocky outcropping and said, and it said, uh, so-and-so had a weird feeling about this place. And so about like five more hours into my game, I had this robust colony. Everything's great. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go dig into that. See what's, in see there. what's over there. <laughs> Horrible idea. So I dig into it and, uh, and this robot comes out and just starts shooting everyone. <laughs> so, so this robot comes out and shoots the guy who opened it and then shoots the nearest person. And just I'm like, like kills him in one and shot. Are, yeah. And I just have bows. I have bow and arrow. Like, I Cause you're basically a tribal yeah. like, society. Yeah. It's, so this robot starts rampaging through. And so now I'm trying to manage, I'm trying, like, I'm moving my people room to room, trying to like hide them <laughs> in various places. So it becomes a horror movie. It, be- it became a horror movie. And then, uh, finally, I had two people fight this thing sort of in melee combat because it turned out it's stabbing wasn't nearly as effective as it's gun. And so they, they managed to kill the thing, but now I'm down from five colonists to two, which is brutal <laughs> in terms of the overall Especially thing. if one of them gets sick because then the other one has to yep. try to sort of tend to that person's wound well, while Or if your two people are missing because there's some things that some just won't do. Yes. So one of them was my researcher guy who just refused to fight he didn't do combat. He didn't do cooking. He didn't do like a couple <laughs> things. He's very good at research though. So I kept him around. Um, but in a course, in <laughs> a group. one of the only people who survived. Of, people well, of so course, because he didn't have to go into combat. Right. Yep. <laughs> so as soon as these two people are the only ones left, uh, they go take a nap. While they're napping off like all the stress from this, uh, a raid happens. Just mm. happens to be the day. And so, so a neighboring group, in, neighboring tribe. And these are the two people I have left are the two people who don't like fighting. So one of them can't even shoot a gun. The other one refuses to shoot anything ever. And so, and one of them just has a knife. And so I go hide them in a bunker and then just sit there and watch while these raiders come in and just kill them and then yep. set my stuff on fire. And then it just burns, just the whole village burns up. Slowly and burn. I just sat there and I just watched it. And I was like, this is six hours of work, just, just down the drain. Yep. But it creates these player stories that, you know, like you couldn't screenwrite the stuff. It's just so wacky and weird. Well, and, and the fact that you can. You can have a cat, like you, things can be going really well and you can have this really interesting sort of catastrophic cascade of failures, mm-hmm. you know, where like I had, I had a situation where when my, when my ugly guy was setting everything on fire, 
My colonists were busy putting out the fires. Every now and then, an, an enraged animal will also attack your colony. Mm-hmm. And the worst animal to be attacked by is a boom rat yes. or a boomalope because they're basically animals that have big, explosive, volatile sacks of flammable fluid on their backs. So when they die, they explode. When, yeah, whenever they're struck by something, they explode, they damage everything around themselves, and they set everything on fire. And so while my colonists were putting things out, a mad yeah. animal attacked from the east, and it was a boomalope. And so then I sent somebody to try to snipe it and they didn't manage to blow it up until it got right next to my food storage, blew it up. My food storage is on fire. There's a fire in the middle of my base. And then a raid happens from the West. (laughs) And so, so I'm panicking and I'm trying to like send some people over. And fortunately things timed out just so that I got the fires out just in time to get everybody over there. You know, two people got injured in the fires. Mm-hmm. They go lay in the hospital and the rest of them fight off the raid. But it was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but that could have easily gone real sideways. Yeah, yeah uh, mine, I'm currently in the in the sort of very slow, like watching watching the end happen phase. Because I've been in a, I was in a beautiful spot where it was just yeah. permanent summer, right? So I was like, fuck yeah, I can grow crops mm-hmm. year round. It was just fucking great. So I was, I think, eight hours in. And then a volcano erupted somewhere. Of course. <laughs> so so this now is, this is off, this is a text event, right? Yeah, it's a text this event. This little alert comes in. So it's now like, a volcano erupted. Yeah. The temperature dropped. Yeah. Whatever, right. So now it's a volcanic winter, right? Oh, and, it's, and it says this could last anywhere from two weeks for to eons. Right? <laughs> so I don't I don't know how long I have to live through this thing, but oh no. But I had and so at this point I had a a, a guy who who had sort of been chased into my colony, being chased by some other bad guys. That I had, mm-hmm. to, had to kill and then bring him into my colony. And he was actually a pretty useful guy, um, except it turned out he had some strange drug addiction that mm. after about like a week of him living with me in the colony, uh, he just passed out one day and then just stayed asleep. He just oh. stayed asleep. So he was asleep for two weeks. It was probably, he probably had injected mechanites at some point because you can give people nanites. Okay. If you could develop nanites, you can give it to them. <laughs> but once they're given it one time. They need to be given it every five days or they'll nice. die. Well, yeah, this one they said he had a, he had a wake up addiction, but I don't actually know what that is. Oh, okay. I mean, they, yeah, they it's like drugs. Yeah. I think it's like, okay. yeah. yeah. And, and I went and looked it up on the wiki afterwards. And they were like, yeah, if people have like up to a 50% resistance to this, they suffer from all these like huge effects. And his, his was listed as massive addiction. Mm. So, or so massive just, tolerance. So because he didn't have any more wake up drugs, he was just asleep. Yeah. Now, so somebody forever. just, he just went to sleep. And uh, and so, so this like, is like if I don't drink coffee. Yeah, you know, but I just I just assumed at some point he would wake up, you know. So like so I had him brought to a cot in my medical bay, and mm-hmm. now he's he's asleep with every guy who's who everyone who every day comes and feeds him and all this stuff. But then like like literally two weeks in the game go by, and this guy's still just fucking sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so that, so I stopped. I you can choose to stop providing medical care, mm-hmm. but they kept they keep feeding him. Yeah, they'll keep him alive. Yeah, yeah. So, this, so this fucking guy has been like dwindling my food stores in the middle of this volcanic winter <laughs> you know what, while no, he's staying asleep. And so I eventually just took the door off and I closed him in and let him starve to death in there. Well, no, nice. you, what you can also do is anytime you have a patient in the hospital, there's an extra tab you can look at on their health section. You can harvest organs. Called operations. Yeah, yeah you but, can take their organs wait, out. what? I didn't yeah. know you can take their, You can take their organs. <laughs> and now you got to make sure you take them out in the right order. Because if you take their heart out first, obviously- they're dead now. Yeah, right? What? So, you can do this? so you can freeze their organs and then you can sell them this thing, so to they, traders. Which, <laughs> I, which I thought about doing, but I was afraid of the psychological impact on the guy who was going to do Yeah, I've, so I you got to get a sociopath a, in your group. Yeah. That well, that, a that sociopathic was a guy, doctor. It was a sociopath who actually, who had the drug addiction who went to sleep. Uh, oh, you got the, yeah, the wrong and sociopath. And he was so useful for a while because I had him, I had him like carrying dead bodies and stuff because he didn't give a fuck. But then 
then he had that addiction. Yeah. So this is the sort of thing that happens when you play RimWorld. Like these are the conversations. You're like, look, here's what happened to me. Yesterday. <laughs> and uh, I mean, the overall UI UX, like it's it's not a pretty game. The graphics but, are <laughs> no, but okay. But to me, the thing that sold it was was Sam and Seth both played it. And we're like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I went and looked at it, and it's like it's a thirty dollar game, mm-hmm. and it's uh, doesn't look great when you're just when you're just looking at the it. New game's probably good, but it's got. It's overwhelmingly positive yeah. and has sold a lot of copies and it's still in early access. So mm-hmm. I was like, there's there's some magic. There's got to be something know? here. Yeah. And it does. I mean, once you get past the tutorial phase and you start building stuff, it just grabs you by the face and you yep. just, you're just in it now. Yeah. I think I put like 20 hours in last mm-hmm. week. I put a lot over the weekend. Yeah. And then the bill came due and I had to sleep for 12 hours last night because <laughs> too much yep. room world. So, all right. Anyways. Fun one. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to some questions. What's our, what's our uh, time here? I got to double check. Okay. We got time. All right. time. Uh, all right, first question. The questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get a question on the uh, podcast, go over there, put a question in the text box. First question, coffee chemist appropriately asks, how do you guys like your coffee? Hmm. I like it hot or cold. Yep. Um, also, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I like mine in all forms, but without milk or cream. I'm currently off coffee. So I'm trying to, trying to just get caffeine out of my life kind of as much mm-hmm. as possible. Uh, the, what I'm trying to do right now is basically like once a week, I'll then dose myself with something. Um, but I love really high quality coffee. So I like to go to a place where it's, you know, it costs me $5, no matter what it is. So what about like light roast, dark roast? What's the, uh, it depends on the thing. Um, and, and if it's done actually, like if it's done really well, then I like a good dark roast. Cause it's like really oily and delicious, mm-hmm. you know? Um, usually it tastes like charcoal though. Cause people burn it. Yeah. Take it a little too far. Well, now Adam, you used to work at a. At a coffee shop in yes. our hometown. A roaster. We had a roaster there. Mm-hmm. And Adam has the scars to prove it. Yeah. It caught on fire once. The roaster caught on fire. Yeah. And melted dripping molten plastic mm-hmm. onto Adam. And then a boomerlope came through the door. Yeah. Yeah. Was, <laughs> and then a volcano erupted. Yeah. <laughs> the coffee shop owner was like, what the fuck? <laughs> a lot, a lot happened. You know? Yeah. I think as long as it's not uh, sort of the weird instant stuff, I tend to just be fine. With I'm it. even okay with that. Uh, I When I was living in India... It's real hard to just get coffee. Well, I just but like everybody I, drinks instant coffee. I need it so. potent enough. So if, if you can control how much goes in the cup, that's fine. But like if you go to you can just fill the cup to the top with the instant coffee. Put like a drop of water in there, yeah, and then boom. just so you get to drink it. it sort of matcha style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I also I like going into a real fancy coffee place and then just go back. What do you want? And just go coffee. Mm-hmm. Just give me some coffee. I know you guys have thirty nine thousand ways of it this happening. I just want. Coffee. No, my favorite way is a cortado. Cortado? Yeah. I don't know what the, what is this? It's like a one to one espresso to to steam milk. It's, just, mm. it's like the it's like the oh. perfect amount. So you still get the good coffee flavor because you can really taste what it is. But also the good but steamy milky flavor. Yeah, but it's also a little bit tampered down because you know pure pure just espresso. Um, I still actually like, but it definitely is very bitter. It's a little much. Yeah. yeah. So have, having a way to kind of cut that back. I will say, I did go get a latte. For the first time in life, I just randomly was at the counter ordering some stuff at a cafe, got a latte out of sort of. And I assume this nowhere. is the latte that's actually just a bunch of milk with a little coffee in it. I think so, yeah. because it was, and it was warm. It was like a kind of rainy, cold day, and it was just warm, and it felt like the most luxurious drink, <laughs> honestly, like I've ever had. I was just sitting there sipping this in a cafe, and I was like, this is good. <laughs> this is a good day. Yeah. Lattes so, are good. All sorts of ways. I don't care. Yeah. Well, ha- however, it gets in there, it just needs to get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, next question comes from Brian S. Now, this is a long-standing question. We've had this one in the just in the reserves for mm. a special day. Okay. 
And episode 151 is the day. This question is, how long does you guys sleep at the beginning of your company? Mm. At the beginning of the company? Probably pretty well. Just like normal sleep. But how long does you sleep, Adam? Mm-hmm. How Ten. long? Ten. Ten? Yep. You're like a ten sleeper? Ten hours? I don't know what units we're using <laughs> or what's even happening right now. <laughs> so I think I think the real question is, you know, when you're first starting a company. What's the deal? What do you, what kind, what do you got to do? What does your life look like? I think I yeah. read a quote from Elon Musk uh, yesterday, which was, starting a company is like eating broken glass while staring into the abyss. I think was how he put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not wrong. Yep. Well, it depends on how you're starting. Because if you're starting a company the way that is more typical, then you secure funding. Yeah. You take out a bunch of loans. There's so many you have people to apply involved. for a bunch of things. There's a lot of people whose lives depend on you. And, and then they're all, you depend and on they're also turn, mad at you. And they're mad at times. you all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you have to go through all these regulatory hoops depending on like if you're Elon Musk, like you're you're building fucking rockets. It sounds right? like hell. Yeah. Regulatory nightmare. Government. <laughs> Yeah. Like yep. everything. Well, yeah, because his his first thought was, I'm just going to buy some ICBMs for $90 million. Yeah. From so now he's got to figure out Russia. Right, it's going to come from Russia. <laughs> so now he has to be able to buy some. He has to buy missiles from Russia mm-hmm. and get them to another country. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, and he's launching he's launching rockets to space, which means he's launching he's launching things that could hit any target mm-hmm. on yeah. the planet. Yeah, or so not target, just accidentally. Yeah, when it comes down again. Yeah, yeah. So that's any one of us could be the victim of a SpaceX disaster. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, it's no true. matter where you live, it doesn't matter. You could be at the North Pole. <laughs> doesn't matter. It'd be less likely because they tend to orbit around the, yeah. you know, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Kerbal so, Space Program. So yeah. I think uh, that it is true that the beginning of companies is very, is, I think the thing is it's, it's very stressful, but the stress is, com- is almost completely offset by the fact that it's very exciting, you know? Yeah. Especially yeah. if you want to do but it. For it, does, a while. it does depend enormously on what kind of a business you're running and how you are going about starting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I will say we worked a lot in the sense that we were putting in, you know, at least 60 hours a week at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, But at no, yeah, at no point did we lose sleep necessarily. We always made sure that we got a good eight hours of sleep. Um, Yeah. It never felt like too much. Yeah. Cause I think our position was if the way that we, become successful is by doing completely unsustainable things. Yeah. There's then no how way. could we possibly sustain, sustain the success? The success right? yeah. And so. sometimes it is true that you need to do like, a, you need to do a ton of work to get something sort of up and running. And then it's yeah. a maintenance phase. And that, yeah, that happens in spikes sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, at the beginning of the, of the studio and we've, we've maintained a pretty good keel, I think on this just all the way through, except for the only thing that ever throws us into full sort of self-destruction mode is, is going into beta. And then launches because you just have to like all the, the klaxons are just blaring all the time. And, you know, there's bugs to put out. There's, there's press people to talk to. There's fans to talk to. There's just a lot of stuff going yeah. on. That's an exhausting couple of months. But even then, usually what happens is we'll do like three or four days where we're just being ridiculous and, you know, working the whole day. And then at some point someone's like, can we not do this? And yeah, then we're like, just everything's, like, yeah, everything's fine right. now. Let's just take a breather. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My bet is for the, uh, for level head, mm-hmm. it'll be a very different experience than it was for crash lands. I hope so, because we have all these systems in place now. And we've also learned a lot about what's important and what's not. Because yeah. um, we were we were just responding to literally everything as fast as possible. So like Correct. every, every just the thought there might still be a bug in the game uh, would just mm-hmm. send us over the edge and we'd have to fix it immediately and get a patch out as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, yeah. but also crash lands is sequential. So if there's a, yeah. if there's a game breaking bub, bug, bub, in the first <laughs> hour, then that, 
that precludes our players from experiencing and finding bugs in the remaining 40 hours. Well, it was also yeah. very hard to test because of that same reason that, that the, the very late game, game content was was barely tested actually before Crashlands went live because mm-hmm. um, most of our play testers didn't make it that far. Yeah. Uh, where something like level head, totally modular, totally different situation. Mm-hmm. Every um, single thing in the game will be tested almost immediately. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah, like within the first hour of testing, yeah, yep. which is weird. And then it's just a question of combining them in weird combinations to try to find edge cases, but that's about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so at the beginning of the company, we slept pretty good. We still worked we a lot. pretty good. Pretty much know, we, I was going to make sure to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we have two related questions, both from Anonymous, and I don't know if they're the same Anonymous person. Mm. Question number one, is there ever going to be voiceovers for the characters in Crashlands? Question number two. Hello, my weekly pod-dertainment overlords. You guys say a lot of things that make my laughing happen out loud. I also feel like you are masters of orchestrating the comedy phrases for maximum impact. Beyond the Sam trailer, have you considered voice acting in your games? Would you consider suing someone who steals funny voice clips from your podcasts and puts them into his or her IP? Lastly, new game. Continue. Insert coins. Game over. Thank you, and may your fields be filled with clovers. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, so I think to the- I didn't know that questions that long were allowed. That was a very long question. They are now. <laughs> okay. Series of questions. Oh, so, I did update it, didn't I? Now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think going back to the voiceovers in games general question, the problem is one of size. Yeah. So well, and that's one and of the finding actors yeah, well, and yep. then paying them. Well, every, every, aspect of, every aspect is an enormous problem. Yeah. But I think the, the first and biggest one to us personally is that uh, we really like our games to have a light footprint because being available on mobile in particular, uh, it's super nice to not have a really heavy uh, thing to download over your Wi-Fi. Yeah. So people go, how is Crashlands 60 megabytes? That's how. Yeah. Because that's that's almost entirely how. <laughs> and we don't do a lot of extra uh, sound stuff, essentially, because yeah. sound actually takes up a tremendous amount of the memory capacity. Yeah. For people don't realize that when they're downloading a 30 gigabyte game, it's mostly audio and cutscenes yeah. Yeah. that they're downloading. Mm-hmm. The game itself is generally pretty light. Yeah. If that is voice acting, it's going to be gigantic. Yeah. Basically, no matter what. So that's a big part of it. And then uh, as far as, you know, Crashlands in particular, ever getting voice acting, that's the answer, which is definitely not uh, just because... That ship has sailed. That ship has sailed. And so we're just kind of moving on. But, um, you know, we're, we're kind of kicking up. Uh, Fat Bard has been doing a really good job with the, both the music and the sound effects on Levelhead to kind of just make everything just a little bit more fun and lively. And we're we're easing back on some of our previously very intense kind of wants as far as the size of the game. So hopefully these next ones will have a bit better of a general soundscape too, but not voice acting for a while. Yes. And as far as if somebody steals our voices and uses them. I don't care. You don't care? Uh, I mean, maybe it depends on the context in which they're using. Like, yeah. what if they make a horribly racist game and then have us talking? <laughs> Just as side characters, I hope. Yeah. Well, this is this is why <laughs> this is a lot of why licensing is is important because um, people can misrepresent. Yeah, you. people can misrepresent you, and so absolutely no. You know, like I'm, I do not want my my persona being used in anybody else's thing unless I know why. Well, I think knowing what is happening is always the prerequisite. Yeah, yeah. no, but. It, yeah, but I, that, yeah, that, I mean, that, it's that generally it's yeah. generally bad practice to take something that somebody else made, and put it in your own thing, it. start selling it, and never tell them about it at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, if that's something you want to do, then you know, just ask. Yeah. Just come. Just I come certainly don't want to charge anybody to do it. I just want to be able just to want to be no able to decline if I don't <laughs> like what you're doing right. with it. We yeah. want to be able to opt out. Yeah. All right. So last question of the week comes from Doombrowski. If each of you had a spirit animal. 
What would it be? Ooh. What would it be? What is and it? what is this why? animal? Does it is, is it, it one that carries your spirit away when you die? I think it's the one that when you die, it bursts out of your chest. Oh, like so kind of alien chest burst. escapes. I thought it was. It's the thing that lives in your body and yeah. is controlling this. The I buttons. thought it was a Patronus. What's a Patronus? It's the Harry Potter spirit animal. Where they're like, Patronus, and then the spirit animal comes out and kicks the shit out of Did anybody stuff. have just like a real shitty Patronus, like a, like a, like, a, like a June bug or a mayfly? Yeah. Although be. June bugs are real gross. So yeah. That'd be pretty so like, Patronus, and then just like a little, you know, size of a nickel, like mm-hmm. a little speck of a heavy. bug. Just they're like, you can hear it. And just thumps Actually, you. that would be probably the best Patronus. Yeah. Because you just have this spectral June bug just slapping against you all day, <laughs> and you'd be like, stop it. But here's a question. you can't hit it because it's, it's too small. But. <laughs> Because here's a question about bugs. Because yeah. there's certain bugs that are more don't really operate like their own singular organism, but rather like the whole thing is it's like ant colonies, for example. Mm. Would your could your patronus or your spirit animal be actually be, be a, a co- colony, like a because collective it, intelligence? Yeah, because like an ant, I mean, that's not, not really. It's alive, but not. I don't know. Have you seen Ant Man? Really? Pretty now. Okay. What if your cool patronus was a queen ant? And when you summoned it, it started giving birth to spectral ants. So you were like, hang on. Or to eggs. I hang guess. on a sec. Give me like so three weeks. In, yeah, <laughs> is she in a time warp so that she just produces super, super fast? Mm, maybe. Yeah. It's I mean, it's an RTS. She's pumping them out. Yeah, and then yeah. you got to select the it's units. It's kind of a rimworld situation. Yeah. Send them off to the garrison. Yeah, get rad. some weaponry. Yeah. So you're being attacked. And you're like, hold on. I got to manage this ant colony <laughs> for like a week. Can we pause? Can we, can we pause yeah. this battle? Yeah, as far as spirit animals, I mean, like, it depends on what the spirit animal is for. Right. So if the spirit know? animal, let's break down the, the possibilities. If, it's, if okay. it's an offensive, summonable creature, then a Sharknado is obviously that'd be a great choice. That's a, that's like an ant colony. It's a collective intelligence yeah. of mm-hmm. sharks that form a. Yeah, NATO. It, just, it just already mm-hmm. exists. Very simple, you know. It just already exists. It's, it's just, already out there in nature. Sharknado. Yeah, I just got to bring it here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're saying so you can summon a, something a, like a spectral attack. Dang companion like a patronus i think it's just something really big because that's like yeah. usually if you want to get yourself out of like a bad situation just having something show up that's like real big. i would just yeah just go with the just go with the blue whale that might be too big i though. would get a bull elephant i feel like that's like a good size and it could kill everybody that's true you know what i mean is it going to come armored or or just be yeah well be and on the plus armor. side standard. you know if, yeah. if we're only thinking about it in terms of murder which of course in the movies that's how this would work, work yeah, right? Yeah. But you could also just have a just a general uh, spirit animal sort of utility companion. Okay. You know, because like in RimWorld, boars can haul things for you because they yeah, have yeah. tusks. Super nice. You know, elephants could also move things around. I'd probably go with a monkey because they can do all kinds of stuff. They can like they can put monkey. their little hands and things, you know, mm. like fucking monkeys. Yeah, can, <laughs> they can like, climb stuff. Monkey, give me that thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then you point your wand and shoot a spectral monkey onto the top shelf and then it pulls a plate down for Here's you. Here's a question. Yeah. Do humans count as animals? There's a spectral Steve. <laughs> I summon Steve. Yeah, Steve, could you get me? Or a could me you, my taxes? Could you get my taxes real or quick? Or a me-seeks? Yeah, sort of mm-hmm. a me-seeks mm-hmm. situation. Okay, so you got your you got your aggressive one, you got your utility one, and what about just like your buddy one? You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to hang out. out. No yeah, one's I mean, around. Obviously, hype master. Yeah. Some obviously, you want like a spectral dog or something like that. They're just kind of, they're just happy to see you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to pick up their spectral shit, which is great. That'd be rad. You know? Yeah. Be that, all the, that would all the be perks. the one way I'd be willing to have Yeah, all the perks of a dog, but without all of the maintenance work. Yeah. Because the dog's like, I want to play. And you're like, man, eh, get back in the wand. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. Back in the wand with you. It's like a Pokemon situation. All right, so, so that's, one, that's one variant. Okay. There's another possibility, which is sort of an Animorphs-style 
Yeah. You know, mm, you get to more you turn into it. Yeah. So obviously I would go with the Peregrine Falcon mm. move because that's the fastest animal on earth. Can, but what are you going to do with all that? But speed? they're only fast from like top to bottom. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to, you're not going to go along yeah, lateral they, distance. They go up and, and then, then they, they just come down. And then they dive at like 240 miles Yeah, an but hour. I'm saying like, yes, they're the fastest, but in a very like specific up down sort of context. Like you're not traveling across the world as a peregrine falcon. I could though. I mean, it depends speed. on what you want to do. If you just want to dive bomb stuff as fast as possible, I think that, that would be the optimal. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's like kind of like, you know, you're up in the sky and you look down, and you're like, there's a soul taco food truck. I got to yep. get in on one of those tacos. Boom, you dive bomb down there. You go 240 miles an hour. No one's going to see that coming. No one's going to see that coming. You're now, in, you're now in the tacos. Demolished. Just <laughs> covered in taco. <laughs> I would go with uh, mantis shrimp. Could you imagine? Because I want to know what it looks like. Oh yeah, to see that many colors. Oh yeah, because they have that like UV spectrum eyeball. No, they, they have they have twelve polarized light. They can see polarized light, and they also have twelve different non fully overlapping uh, light sensing cells, photoreceptors. Right, so we can see three. We, we have three. They have twelve. Right. So that means they have. So we have like the colors that we see are basically every intensity that each of our three colors can see. Mm-hmm. But then combinatorially, right? right. So Which means they're able to identify sort of different things about stuff that we would normally look at. And can yeah. they see your blood? I mean, that's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know what they can but, see. So they, but they, they can they both can. see. You they know, can see your soul. So, yeah, so it's wrong to say that they can. <laughs> that's the 11th. So. Right. Yeah. So it's wrong to say that they can see 12 colors, right? Because it's not that we see three colors. Mm-hmm. We see like basically infinite colors, but they're, but they're all combinations of three different sort of primary mm. senses, right? But they've got 12. So right. it's not just 3 to 12. It's like a huge number to a stupidly enormous. So they number. see like red, green, blue. And then this thing called Slorg, which is a <laughs> color that we don't even fucking know about. And then Boondoggle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And uh, But also they can punch the fuck out of things. Yeah. It's, awesome. <laughs> it's because they see so good. Well, no, yeah. you're right in no, the No, because there's club mantis shrimp and there's also spear mantis shrimp. Are there spear ones? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's there's two yep. varieties. Some that have that have pointy little hands that they that they shoot out at the speed of sound to stab things with and then uh-huh. other ones have club hands that they beat things with i think i'd go with club hands yeah you go know? clubbing just yeah. go clubbing <laughs> <laughs> it just seems a little more satisfying yeah mantis shrimp are the just ones thump. where they're yeah. kind of hard to keep as pets because sometimes they will attack the glass and shatter it yeah. in the aquarium mm-hmm. and also punch the fuck out of your hand if you put your hand <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ow. yeah like they'll just break your hand yeah you and they don't. and they do this despite them being in water, which has a lot more resistance to yeah. movement than the air does. Mantis shrimp don't care at all. If, no. Man, can you imagine getting punched by a mantis shrimp on land? Here's what I think. So going, <laughs> like, Hell. going along with this sort of, you know, what would you want to sort of gain the powers of? I think. Well, you got to morph into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. you turn into thing. it. I think the, because the joke about the honey badger. And being just a sort of unstoppable machine. Just not giving a fuck. Just doesn't give a shit. You want to go, go snake hunting? I want to go. I wanna, yeah. I want it to be the case, you know, someday if I'm just like, man, I'm kind of feeling down. And then you turn into a honey badger. you be like, I don't care at all. <laughs> and then just keep doing whatever I was doing, you know? So then you get, like, get back on the computer and start doing art. But yeah, honey badger but I'm a badger form. now. <laughs> and I just don't have to worry about it. Because I'm just like, I'm here. I'm doing my thing. And these bees can get the fuck off, man. I don't even care, you know? Yeah. Honey badgers are sort of the terminator the T one thousand of the. Because I feel like kingdom. you know, some days you kind of like it's kind of hard, or maybe you didn't have enough coffee at the right time, or did a bunch of admin stuff in the morning. You're like, eh. and then meanwhile, a honey badger is just like in a beehive, just getting just get, whatever, getting wants. stung <laughs> like a thousand times. He's like, yeah, but I mean, honey, that's <laughs> fucking honey, <laughs> so good. Yeah, I love doing really that. puts your 
it puts your own sort of gripes into perspective, it does. you know, because you, all you have to do is fight past your own sort of internal ennui. Mm-hmm. You're not getting stung by a thousand yep. bees to go about your daily business. Yep. yep. <laughs> the power of the yeah. honey badger. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, I think that's all the time we have for this week. So thank you all for listening. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. Of course, uh, special thanks to our guest star, Sher Chen, mm-hmm. for coming in for the, our new Sure Thing segment. So <laughs> we'll, be, uh, we'll be roping him in as, as other projects uh, kind of, you know, come down the pipes. Uh, also, if you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hello. If you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, we've got mugs, shirts, stickers, all kinds of stuff over at shop.bscotch.net. And as we, I don't think we mentioned this, but there is a promo happening right now. Mm-hmm. 20% off. You can use the promo code COMEOVER. Just assuming you're listening to this when it came out. Yes. Otherwise, that definitely is not true. That's sort of usually implied whenever we're talking about Just 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 throw that in there every (laughs) once in a while, you know? Yeah, but, you know, worst case scenario, you go there, you try the promo code. Doesn't work. Oh, crap, it's too late. Doesn't work. You just get to give us some more money. Yeah, and so then just consider it a tip. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. uh, also, if you'd like to send us some stuff, we have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.